If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 23. Numbers 23. There are a lot of things in life that change. In fact, you could almost safely say that our lives on a daily basis are full of changes. Now, I realize today that there are, and maybe those who don't like change, you don't like things to be different than what they were yesterday, and you don't handle change very well. There are others who just kind of take it as it comes and deals with the change, but you also know that you would love to have something in your life that was stable, something that just did not change. I know that in our the laws of science and uh, physics and biology, all of those things, there are a number of constants. There are things that just don't change. Could you imagine? I believe the Earth, as I understand it, rotates. Uh, what is it on an eighteen degree on, uh, axis? Something like that rotates on its axis. I'm looking to the you know the high school students to help me out here. What is it? Somebody can somebody tell me? Yeah. Huh? It's around, it's around there. We don't want it to be around there. We want it to be exact. Because as I understand, I believe it is an 18 degree angle. It rotates on its axis. I think our science teachers have a whole lot more work to do. Don't you? <laughs> I need to go back too. But as I understand it, if the earth, if that axis changed, if that angle change in the least. We would either burn up or freeze up. One or the other. We got further away from the sun, we would freeze up. We get closer to the sun, we would burn up. And as it is, it operates in exact precision. That doesn't change. Thank God it doesn't. The Bible says there's a reason for that, that he upholds all things by the word of his power. God is the one who is orchestrating this, that great designer of it all. That doesn't change. There are a number of things in life that don't change, but as it pertains to our daily lives, what it is that we're going through, what it is that we have to deal with on a daily basis, change happens. Things change constantly. And there are times where you want to try to put on the brakes. There are times where you'd love for things to just slow down a little bit and not change so often. I'm realizing today, life is changing. Somebody uh, wrote to me this morning and said, I remember when you were brought home from the hospital. Today is my birthday. And I remember when you were brought home from the hospital. And she said, I'm really getting old. (laughs) I haven't written back yet, but I was just going to agree. Yes, you are. I'm not. But we are. We're old. We're all getting older. We're all changing. We all, you know, from year to year, we begin to look a little bit different. Things begin to change. You want to stop the change. Those are some outward things that probably, in the end, don't really matter all that much. At least they don't matter until you're really getting older. Then all of a sudden it matters. But you realize that in your life, it could be that there are things that you have changing in your heart, in your life, 
that you want to have stopped. Some changes have taken place and you'd love to be able to to find that anchor that you can just stabilize your life. And brothers and sisters, I'm not here saying today that I'm offering a solution that everything in your life will stop and everything is going to be completely and totally stable and no longer do you have to worry about the fluctuating changes of what it is that's going on on the inside of your heart and in your mind and in your life on a daily basis. I am here telling you though today that if you have nothing to anchor your life to, if there is something in your life that seems so out of whack and you just can't seem to get it together and pull it together, I'm here to tell you that there is one that will never change. There is one that will always, always remain the same. And if you need an anchor, you've got to anchor to him. Listen to what, we're in Numbers 23, we're going to get there in a moment. But listen to what I'm talking about. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, the Bible says, I, the Lord, do not change. (laughs) You want something that doesn't ever change? You got to come to God. Because there are people in your life that are going to change. The people around you and your relationships, you hear it over and over again. And sometimes in a very lamenting fashion, somebody gets married. And and at the beginning, they're just, you know, the honeymoon lasts for a few years. And then all of a sudden, somewhere along the way, the wife comes to the pastor or somebody around them and says, I don't know what happened. He just changed. Or vice versa, the, the husband comes to somebody, a friend or the pastor and says, I don't know what happened. Somewhere along the way, she just changed. Or you go to your job and your job is one of those things where it seems it's so stable, it's so great. And then all of a sudden, something happens. The market collapses, the economy collapses. And now all of a sudden, you get a little note saying, we got to meet with you right away. And they tell you, you've got to just pack up your things and go home. Things change. But you need to know that in the midst of all of these changes, in the middle of what it is that you and I have to deal with on a daily basis that's in a constant state of flux, we need to know that there is somebody who we can anchor to who says, I'm never going to change on you. I won't do it. The Bible says this in Hebrews 13 and verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday today and forever. He does not change. God will not change on you. Listen, you might get a little, you know, let's face it. There are times in our lives where our moods change and we get a little moody and and all of a sudden, you know, people around, they don't want to be around you. They don't want to hang around you because because you're just in a bad mood. You're cranky. You're whatever. And, and they, you know, your coworkers kind of just, they avoid you. They, they know you're, it's a bad day. So they just kind of steer clear of you. I'm here to let you know that God will never steer clear of you when you start to get cranky. He'll never steer clear of you when life seems to be unfair and you can't handle it. God does not bail out on you. He will not change on you. He doesn't change his moods at you. He He doesn't ever do that to you. God does not change regardless of the world conditions, regardless of the circumstances of the situations you might be in today. 
you need to know that God does not change. He is absolutely the same. But how? Well, let's take a look at some of the ways that he is unchanging. He is unchanging in his character. If you are at Numbers 23 and verse 19, I want you to look at that with me. God is absolutely unchanging in his character. Numbers 23 and verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie. Interesting that at the very nature of man, this seems to be this lying problem, right? You know, you see it in your children when they're, they're getting bigger and older. You know, did you do that? No. And they look at you with the big puppy dog eyes. They get a little bit older and the, the no's become more emphatic and it becomes, it, it's followed up with, a, you don't believe me, Right? You don't believe me. How come you don't believe me? Because at the very nature of man, there is this lying problem. Back in the Garden of Eden, whatever I do, Adam and Eve, they sinned and they covered, they covered themselves up. They hid in the garden. They hid. That's essentially what happens when you lie. You're trying to hide, trying to cover things up. And then they continually pass the buck and pass the blame rather than taking responsibility. And, and in that, we find that there is this problem. But you need to know that God is unchanging in his character in this respect. God is not a man that he should lie. He is unlike you and me. You want to think about that a little bit. You can get really deep and theological that God is absolutely unlike us. He is unlike us. He is not a man that he should lie, nor of the son of man, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. We all know what the, right, the, the, I could get in trouble here today. The prerogative of the woman is, oh, come on, talk to me. Some of the ladies are looking at me like, pastor, can get you. Come on, smile at me. It's just a, you know, we're just, just, it's just us here this morning, okay? Don't worry about it. It's to change your mind, right? Yes, we know that. It's to, I don't say that in a mean way. I don't mean anything mean, honey, by that. I, I don't mean anything mean. But listen to what it says about God. Listen, we men, we change our minds all the time. And here's, here's our problem. See, the, la- the lady can change her mind, and she communicates with her husband. Right, men? We change our minds, and no phone call, no nothing. We, we just go on and change their minds. We didn't tell anybody about it, but we did that. See, we're, we're guilty too, fellas. We change our minds all the time. The Bible lets us know here that he is not the son of man, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? You see, you need to know about his unchanging character, first of all, that it is supernatural. It is above that which is natural. It is above you and I. God, the Bible says, is not a man. Thank God. He is not like you and I. You and I, we are unstable because we are constantly changing our minds. Why? Because in our thinking, we're finite. 
We might not know what to do. We might think one course of action is correct. And then all of a sudden the next day we wake up and think, no, that was way wrong. Let me go the other direction. I think this course of action is best. And then the next day we wake up. No, I don't think that's right either. We got to go another direction. We're always changing. The Bible lets us know that God is not a man. He is infinite in his thinking. He is is infinite in his wisdom. He knows all. And so brothers and sisters, he will never, ever change his mind. What he says goes. He means what he says and he says what he means. There are people who try to change what God's saying. Brothers and sisters, you can't do that. He says what he says. We already talked last week about the word of God. You can't take anything away from it. You can't put anything into it. It's a closed book. It's done. This is his word. You can't change it. And God says, I'm not going to change my mind. I'm not going to violate anything that's in here because all of a sudden I get a whim and I think this is what I want to do. God will not do that. He is not a man. He is supernatural. He is above all. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 says this. It says, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which, listen to this, God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Go over there. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. Let's see this verse again. It tells us this. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, over in the New Testament, right after 2 Timothy. A faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life. Here it says which God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time. You've had people promise to you things in life, I'm sure. And then they changed their minds on that promise. They took it back. They said, no, we're not going to do that. I promise you. I promise you this. I promise you that. There are promises ranging for all the way through life. We're promising one thing, promising another. And yet, from time to time, we will find that promises are broken. Why? Because, here it is, we're human. And we have the tendency to change our minds. The Bible says this, God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time. God is the one, brothers and sisters, that you can count on. I realize we might be looking for somebody in flesh and blood that you can count on and that you can hope in and that you can absolutely trust with all your heart. I'm here to tell you the one that you can absolutely trust with all your heart is Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not change. You can put your hope in him. Why? Because he is above that which is natural. He is above that which pulls man one way or another. He will always, always be the same. He is supernatural. Not only that, he is sincere. And I mean that in the sense that he is absolutely true. The Bible says that he should lie or the King James says that he should repent. God is not a man that he should lie. He doesn't ever come to the place where he turns what it is that he has said in his word and changes it. He doesn't ever do that. He is absolutely sincere, and as a result of that, he is also sure. 
You need to realize today that in his unchanging character, he is sure. Listen to what it says, going back to Numbers 23 and verse 19. The last part of that says, does he speak and then not act? You know, does he promise and not fulfill? We, we have times in our lives where we speak and then don't act. There are times in our lives where we promise and we don't fulfill. But the Bible lets us know that God will always fulfill his promise. God will always speak and then act. God will always assure you. It is a sure word, brothers and sisters, that we have. You can count on the word of God because it is God's word to you. It is not man's word. This isn't something that man, man, like we said last week, he couldn't have invented this. God used man to get it from from pen to paper. But I'm here to tell you that God, God, this is God's word. He will not go back on his word. It is a sure word that you can count on in his character. He is absolutely sure you can trust him. He is unchanging in his character. Second Samuel chapter seven and verse twenty eight. Turn over to 2 Samuel 7 and verse 28. Listen to what it says. There are other verses of Scripture we could point out in all of this, but let's just see this one. 2 Samuel 7 and verse 28. O sovereign Lord, you are God. Now listen to this. Your words are trustworthy. And you have promised these good things to your servant. Note these words. Your words are trustworthy. This is why we need the word of God, brothers and sisters. This is why we've got to get the word into us. If we, listen, if we don't read the word, if we don't get the Bible into us, we don't get his words into us, how are we going to know what we're going to be able to trust in on a daily basis? We look at other things and other solutions in life and we try to find that the relationships that we have, that they're trustworthy and the people around us are trustworthy. And listen, if you've got a mate who's serving the Lord or you've got a close friend who's serving the Lord, then, then they, if they're following Jesus with all their heart, then you can trust them. But I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, that many times we come to a place in life where we're looking at all the other things because we don't know what God has to say. We haven't read in his word that he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We haven't read in his word where he says, I love you with a love that is everlasting. And I will not allow anything to come into your life that will destroy you. Brothers and sisters, we've got to know his word because his words are trust. Trustworthy. He is unchanging in his character. And as a result of that, what he says you can count on. You might not be able to count on much in life because of how, how, how it's always, always changing. But you can count on God. He will not change on you. He doesn't, he doesn't change the rules. He doesn't do anything like that. He doesn't come along and say, you know what? I don't feel like being around you today. You're just miserable and I don't like you. And, and all of these crazy things that, that people experience in life. We, listen, God never give you a pink slip. God will never send you packing. God will never, ever, ever do that to you. Why? Because he is unchanging in his character. He is sure. Not only is he unchanging in his character, which ought to give us reason to hope and to be joyful today, but also he is unchanging in his commands. 
I'm amazed at how many people try to change what the Bible says. And they try to change what it is that God, you know, has to say. The world does this on a regular basis. You know, certainly God didn't mean that. Well, there are some areas in which his commands are unchanging. We Obviously, when we get into this, we're going to see how the world tries to change some of the things that God has said. He is unchanging in his commands, and especially as it relates to the command of salvation. Now, the world comes along and says, but wait a minute, that really sounds too narrow. In fact, turn over to John chapter 3, verse 3. This is the conversation that Jesus had with a man by the name of Nicodemus. Seemingly, Nicodemus was not a poor man. It seems that he was not an uneducated man. In fact, you would get all the impression that this man was a... uh, The Bible lets us know that he was one of the religious leaders of the day. Most of the religious leaders hated Jesus. This man recognized there was something different about Jesus, and he came to him by night. But we see the command of salvation coming from Jesus in John chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. I want you to hear, first of all, I don't know if any of you have, have Bibles where they put the words of Christ in red. Do Anybody got that? You looking at that? All right, a lot of you right now. My Bible, it's not. But you're looking at it, and it's in red. Those are the words of Christ. The, the, the publishers have done us a favor here to just kind of help draw out and point out the words of Jesus. Now, there are people in the world today who say, but wait a minute, that's too narrow. You know, why are you Christians always saying the only way to get to God is through Christ? There's got to be more ways than that. got to be more paths to get to God. And, and all paths, you know, you've heard this this before. All paths lead to God. Look, folks, first of all, the Christian faith did not just sort of arise out of somebody's own thinking that says, this is the way it's got to be. This came from Jesus himself. Jesus said these words. I didn't write it. You didn't write it. And in fact, you know, going back hundreds of years or a thousand years or so, individuals in the church didn't just come along and say, this is the way it's got to be. This is the thinking of the Son of God. This is what Jesus had to say. He is unchanging in his commands when he says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You want to get to heaven. You want to see God. You want to get into the kingdom of God. It only happens one way. There is no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved. It is the name of Jesus. It all comes through him. And you will have the world look at you and say, there can't just be one way. Why can't there? If God is the one who's saying the way is this, then certainly there can be one way. Brothers and sisters, he is absolute in his command of salvation. You must, if you want to see God, if you want to get into the kingdom of God, you must come to Christ and through Christ. There is no other way. You might be able to, you say, well, I'm not a bad person. I commend you for that. I'm glad that you're not a bad person. But in the end, it's not about being a bad person or a good person. Paul lets us know that he was the chief of sinners. And yet as the chief of sinners, he recognized that 
that he had to be knocked off his horse one day by Jesus himself, put pinned down to the earth, blinded, so he could finally listen to what Jesus had to say to him. It's an amazing thing that people think that somehow we're just going to skate through life. We're going to do our own thing, and hopefully in the end, we'll come out on the winning side. Why hopefully when you can know for sure? Why hopefully when Jesus has put it right here? Listen, this hasn't changed. This is the word of God. It doesn't change. He says, you've got to be born again. No other way to get into the kingdom of God than that. Jesus said these words also, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. He is absolute in his command. He is unchanging in his command for salvation. He is unchanging in his command of surrender. Turn over in John. We're in the book of John. Go to John 14 and verse 15. He is unchanging in the command of surrender. Listen to what he says. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Plain and simple. It doesn't get any easier than that. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Brothers and sisters, you need to know that God requires your surrender. If you love him, there are people who say, well, but I love God. I just don't live for him. Then you don't really love him. It's impossible for you to love him and to ignore his commands or to go against his commands. No, Jesus said these words. Listen, you have got to obey what I command. Surrender to me. Give your all to me and obey what I command so that he can pour into you life that is everlasting. He can pour into you life, life to the full or life more abundantly. You need to know he is unchanging in his command of surrender. You must surrender all to him. It can't happen any other way. There's no other way to come to him and to be, have some kind of stability in your life. And until you give in to that surrender, until you give in to the command of God, there will be nothing that will be stable in your life. There won't be anything. You wonder why you wake up from one morning to the next and wonder why it is you have this feeling, this, this anxiety on the inside of you. It's because you have yet to yield yourself to him in complete and total surrender. Give it all to him because God will never change on you. You can always count on him. He is unchanging in his command of service. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 says this. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. That's for you and for me. We all have this great commission. This commission is for those who follow Christ. And for those who follow Christ and somehow think that this doesn't apply to us, you are sadly, sorely mistaken as to what it is that God has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light to do. You need to know that God desires for each and every one of us to be a light to a world that is lost, a light to the world that is full of the darkness of sin. God has called us to preach a message of good news. It's still good news, brothers and sisters. 
that Jesus died on the cross in your place and in my place. And he made a way of escape out of sin into eternal life. God is also unchanging in his compassion. Not only his commands, but you need to know he is unchanging in his compassion. We're not going to read the whole passage, but over in John chapter 3, we were just there. John chapter 3, I mentioned to you about the fact that this passage all the way down through was about the encounter that Jesus had with a man by the name of Nicodemus. And as we understand his unchanging character and his unchanging commands, we also have to understand that he is unchanging for his compassion for the high class. You know, I, I, there are times in your life you kind of look around, you see the world as they're, you know, they're doing well. And, and there are those who drive around in their, you know, their fine cars and they live in their fine big giant homes and everything is going well. And you think, man, they got no problems. But have you ever asked yourself, where are they headed for eternity? Where are they going? You see, this man apparently, seemingly, was in the high class of the Jewish society at that time. He was a religious leader. He was a Pharisee. He was somebody who believed the Pharisees believed in a resurrection from the dead. He believed in a resurrection. But the Pharisees were pretty adamant about the fact that this guy, Jesus, is a troublemaker. But there was something in Nicodemus who said, wait a minute. He's saying a whole lot of things here that that make a whole lot of sense. And he's saying some things here that on the inside, it's, it's burning in my heart. I've got to go see him. And the Bible lets it. He didn't go see him in the middle of the daytime. No, he, he wanted to kind of cover that up. So he went to Jesus by night. And as they sat and they talked, we have, and, and these words were spoken to him, that, that very famous verse of Scripture, for God so loved the world, that comes out in this conversation with this High-class society man by the name of Nicodemus. Listen, brothers and sisters, there are people today who, yes, they go to their offices in their white-collar jobs high atop the Willis Tower or whatever whatever they want to call it. still the Sears Tower to me. High atop the Sears Tower and they go to their jobs in the Hancock building and and they're wheeling and dealing and they're, they're coming home and they got all kinds of money. But on the inside, there's an emptiness that when they go to bed, they're thinking they're going to be able to feel when they wake up the next day and go to the job again and do the whole thing over and over again and they just get a little more then they're going to be happy and they realize they're not happy i'm here to tell you that the heartbeat of god is beating for that man or that woman who is up in the upper class of society but i'm here to tell you that that individual might be on their way to hell god cares about them and he has compassion for them he loves them Compassion for the high class. Sometimes we have little to none. We think, well, you know what? You've got money. You know what kind of problems you have. Well, I'm here to tell you that looking through the eyes of God, they have big problems if they don't know Jesus. They have huge problems if they don't know Jesus. 
all the money in the free world is not going to save them from their sin. All the money in the world will not save them when they are on their deathbed and they are about to go into eternity and all the stuff they accumulated in this life isn't going to be buried with them. It's not going to go with them. And if it is, they're not going to be able to do anything with it. It's not going to help. It's going to be left for somebody else. Just think King Tut. How much they found in that guy's tomb. What did he do with it? It was still there. They uncovered it and it makes its tour in museums. What did he do with it? He didn't spend it. He didn't take it into eternity with him. No, brothers and sisters, what you accumulate in this life is not going to go with you. But I'm here to tell you that in the end, God sees that individual as somebody who needs him. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Let's go over there. John chapter 8. And I want you to see that his compassion is unchanging for the low class. His compassion is absolutely unchanging for those who might society might consider to be in the low class. The Bible says this, starting at verse 3. Ah, verse 2. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law... Uh, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in, the, in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law of Moses. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down in the ground and wrote, or stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her woman, Where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus could have said, go ahead. She was wrong. She was sinful. But that would have violated why he came in the first place. He came to redeem someone like this. He came to redeem those whom the rest, the high class, consider to be the low class. But I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what class you're in. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. It doesn't matter where you are in what your position is in life. If you're without Christ, you need to know that his compassion is great for you. That he will be compassionate toward you. And that, brothers and sisters, does not ever change. This woman was, was just... She was, she was a mess. The Bible says she was caught in adultery. Seemingly, they ripped her out of the bed. Don't know where the guy was. Not quite sure about that part of the story. Maybe it was one of the Pharisees. Hmm. But pulled her out of the bed. Brought her to Jesus. Now, Lord, Moses' law says stone her. What do you say? And Jesus' response is so classic, so wonderful. 
and shows the true spirit of his compassion toward those who are hurting, those who have messed up in life, those who have great pain in their life because of the choices that they have made and they have got themselves into. God doesn't look at them and say, you know what? You got yourself into this. You got yourself in. Get out now. No, he doesn't do that. He reaches out with compassion. And yes, he says at the end, he says, you know what? I don't condemn you, but don't don't go back into that life. Don't go back into that sin anymore because there is a better plan for you. Brothers and sisters, his compassion is unchanging for the low class. His compassion is unchanging for the outcast. You don't need to turn there, but listen to Matthew chapter 8 and verses 2 and 3. It says, the Bible says, a man with leprosy, those who were lepers in that day were in fact not low class, they were outcast. They, they had to live outside the city. They had a disease that was contagious. They, they were looked upon as though they were sinful simply because of their, their, uh, their leprous condition. And they were put outside the city. And a man with the leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand. This is unthinkable in that day and age. Nobody touched a leper. Nobody touched the outcast. Nobody reached out to them. Nobody did that. But Jesus did. He reached out his hand and touched the man. And listen to what he says. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Can you imagine what might have happened? I don't know if there was a crowd around Jesus, but all of a sudden here comes this leper. I don't know if it was inside the city or outside the city, but here comes this leper. And you can imagine if there was a crowd around Jesus, man, they scattered. Woo! Don't touch the leper. He, you know, he's, he's got problems. Don't touch him. There's just come on. Help. Get out of the way. Jesus stood there. And this man came and knelt before him. And he reached out to him and he said, Jesus, if you're willing you can make me clean. I know you can. I know you can heal me. I know that you can change me forever. And brothers and sisters, the great compassion for the outcast was seen not only in what Jesus said, but also the gesture that is recorded in this gospel that Jesus did. The Bible says he reached out and he touched this outcast. Brothers and sisters, it is in God's heart to reach out and touch the outcast. We think about those in our society who are not high class, middle class, low class. They're, they're outcasts. And we think that somehow, you know, the, the church is just made to be a nice and neat place. And, a, you know, where, where everything is neatly packaged. No, I'm here to let you know, brothers and sisters, the compassion of God is not just for those in classes. It is for the outcast as well, for those who are hurting, those who are lost, and those who cannot help themselves. The compassion of Christ is unchanging for them. The last thing we need to recognize about the unchanging God is that he is unchanging in his concern. He is unchanging in his concern for the sins of man. Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. The Bible says this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. Now look at this. 
He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. His concern is infinite for the sins of mankind. He is absolutely patient with you. You need to know today that you're sitting here, you say, you know what, I still haven't given my life to Christ. You need to know he's patient with you. He is, he is so patient with you, not wanting you to perish, but wanting you to come to that place of repentance. God hasn't given up on you. Maybe people around you have, but God hasn't given up on you. You need to know today that God is absolutely patient because he is unchanging in his concern for your sins. He doesn't want you to be lost. He doesn't want you to be without hope. He is also unchanging in his concern for the sickness of man. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. Go over to the book of Isaiah. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 53. This is a wonderful passage of scripture. This scripture actually deals with... It is a messianic prophecy that shows us Christ in this passage. But there is a wonderful portion, a wonderful part of this. The Bible says this in Isaiah 53 and verse 5, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Notice this, and by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. God is concerned for whatever pain or whatever sickness you're dealing with today. We believe in the healing power of Jesus. I don't believe that I have the power to heal you. No man has ever said that, and if they do, they're wrong. It is the healing power of God. I always, always got annoyed by the whole uh, term or the whole you know, phrase, faith healer. <laughs> because it's God who's the healer. Not the individual you're going to. It is God through that individual. It's God pouring healing into that person's life. They might have faith to believe for you and with you. But in the end, you're being prayed for. It is God who's doing the work. But by his wounds, we are healed. God is absolutely concerned about whatever physical ailments or problems you might have today. He knows about it. And he is unchanging in his concern for that. But stay right there in Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 5, lets us know that he is unchanging in his concern for your sorrows. Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 5, it says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by men and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. Brothers and sisters, he knows about your sorrow. He knows what's going on in your life and he is absolutely unchanging in his concern for your sorrows. 
spoke on this verse of scripture. He was a man of sorrows not too long ago. On Tuesday night, we shared in this passage about the fact that he knows the pain of your life. He knows the sorrows of your life. And brothers and sisters, in the pain and in the sorrow that we have in our lives, we somehow think we're so alone and there's nobody who really can identify with us. Listen, you might be here today and I might not be able to identify with the pain of your life, but you need to know that he is unchanging in his concern for the pain and the frustration of your life simply because he is also a man of sorrows acquainted with grief he is aware of what you're going through he is unchanging i realize there are a lot of things that change in life that you can't control there are a lot of things that you go through you don't want to go through a lot of pain a lot of frustration a lot of suffering a lot of things that today you'd like to put the brakes on and you'd like to stop all the changes and you can't But I'm here to tell you today that there is an anchor for your soul. That there is someone who will never change on you. There is somebody who will always be there for you, to strengthen you, to help you, to minister to you. And to be, as the Bible says, that friend that sticks closer than a brother. Who's always there, who never bails out on you. You're here today and you know you need Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm going to ask you and plead with you, don't leave this room until you surrender to him. Don't leave this place until you know in your heart that you are his and that you are born again, born from above. Your nature will change. You will be different. Not because your personality is going to change and all of that changes. No, it's because he is going to cause you to be born of his spirit, to live a life that is pleasing to him, that is new, that is different than what you were living before. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes?